0: Good morning. want to greet each one in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. So thankful to be here again, and I do want to thank Daniel for filling in on the spur of the moment. Um, Terrell called me last evening about six and confirmed that, yes, he was going to need me to preach. So at that point, I scrambled to find someone for devotions. This morning I want to continue our study in Hebrews, so you can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Some people have called this chapter the Hall of Faith, and others just call it the Faith Chapter. So I guess that's, that's what I'm going to use as my theme this morning as we look at this chapter what is faith? What what would you give as a definition for the word? Um, I looked it up in the dictionary, and there's about five or six different things it mentions as things or definitions you give faith, and it and it is true that um, that. It's it's a widely used word in many ways. But I would say um, this would be what I would use as my definition of faith, especially when we think of the faith chapter of Hebrews here. And it's a belief and trust in and loyalty to God. Another definition that it gave was a firm belief in something for which there is no proof. Um I guess, I don't know if it's thinking of like tangible proof, like if you have something, like air. Air, we, we breathe it in and yet we can't see it. Yet water, there's proof of water. I can see it moving. I can taste it. I can drink it. But there's things that, like air, it's hard to prove that it actually exists. But we know it does through other means to measure it to use it the same way when it comes to faith and what we put our faith in especially regarding God it is there's often it's there's there's not necessarily tangible proof sitting right in front of us that we can point someone to but yet at the same time i believe there are many things that we can point people to to help bolster their faith so let's start uh, verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that, the, that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear Some people have the fear of flying. Does this mean they have no faith? Or what don't they have faith in? If someone has a fear of flying, I'm not, understand, if someone here this morning has that fear of flying, I'm not putting you down. Um, I believe it's a real and tangible fear that people go through. But I don't believe it means that they have no faith in God. Flying has nothing to do with faith in God, right? Jumping off a building with no parachute doesn't mean you don't have faith in God. It means you have a fear of the ground. Your faith is, you don't have faith that you're going to be able to fly. So what don't you have faith in? Do you not have faith in the engineers who designed it? Do you not have faith in the builders who built it? Or do you not have faith in the pilots that are going to fly it. And maybe it's some of all three when someone has a fear of flying. What about when you get in a car to drive somewhere? I have to put some faith in the ability for the car to drive straight. Otherwise, when I'm driving down the road, and if I have no faith that the car will just into the other lane... I probably won't get into that car. So I put faith that the car was designed well and built well. But if you're riding with someone, you also are putting your faith that the person who is driving is a good driver and will not put you at risk. But we put our faith in things all the time. And when you get in a car, there's... You're putting your faith in things that you can't even see. They're under the hood. They're under the, inside the wheels. But yet, every human being puts faith in something at some point in their life. If you climb up a ladder, you put faith that the ladder will not break, will not fall over once you stand on it. But today there are millions of people who say they do not have faith in God. They say, well, prove to me that God exists. Show me something that shows me that he's really there and cares about me. When we look here in the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 11 it says that the the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So as we look through these 40 verses this morning in chapter 11, think about it, that each one of these believers put their faith in a God they could not see. God would, to many of them, made promises of things that they would never see in their lifetime. And yet they had faith that he would fulfill them. But I believe what it talks about in verse 3 it says the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen, which creation around us, the natural things, the mountains, the stars, the universe, was created by someone we can't see. And I believe one of the reasons God did this was to help us to put, be able to put our faith in him. If we could look around us and never see any evidence that he existed, I think it would be much more difficult for us to put our faith in him. But that's why Satan tries so hard to come up with other reasons of how the things that we see around us came about. It takes faith to believe that God made these things. I recognize that. It doesn't always come natural for all of us. But I also believe it takes more faith to believe that these things came about by chance or accident. In a court of law, a prosecutor can show evidence of a crime. But unless the crime was caught on video, the jury or the judge has to go off the evidence of what was there. And we know at times juries are so determined not to find the person guilty that they will disregard good evidence to call the person not guilty. And I think that's what we see today with millions, if not more, of people who claim that, this, that what we see around us, the, nat- the nature natural things, the stars, the universe, the earth. When they deny that God made those things, it's just like a jury that has already predetermined that they don't want there to be a creator. And so, faith has to start with a belief in whatever we're putting our faith in. Let's continue to read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered up unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I believe Abel had faith. That's why he offered up the sacrifice that he did. What about Cain? Did Cain have faith in God? It was pretty hard, I think, for Cain to deny that God existed because God, whatever whatever level he did, he communicated with Cain. First he communicated with him that his sacrifice was not acceptable and then later he asked him, where is your brother Abel? And yet Cain, I believe, did not have complete faith in God that he was who he said he was And that he meant what he said. And that he tried to offer up a less than perfect sacrifice to God. Enoch. The interesting thing about Enoch here. It doesn't say that he had faith. But I believe by the fact that it said he walked with God would speak of the fact that he had faith in God. And that his relationship was one that God was pleased with him. So what does it mean in verse 6 that without faith it is impossible to please him? Is it possible to go through life being obedient to God's word? Being a faithful believer without faith? I believe it's true that not everyone has the same level of faith. Some people struggle more than others. But I do believe that we must have some faith to be able to please him, to be able to be obedient to him. I had to think about if um, those, pretty much everybody here works with someone else at their job whether they're the boss or the employee, whether they have employees under them and people above them, whatever your situation is, we're we're always working with people. What if we have no faith or trust in them? How does that relationship work or does it work? If you have a boss that you don't trust, it's going to be hard to give him everything you have to, to be a faithful employee if you don't trust them. Same thing with a customer. If you don't have faith that a customer is going to pay his bills, it's kind of hard to invest everything in giving them a good product. Faith is important for our daily lives and how we interact with people. So the same is true with God. How can we truly have a relationship with him and be his son and daughters if we don't? have our faith put in him. When we look at the following verses now, I'd like to read um, verses 7 and on. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world, and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him with the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one of him as good as dead, so many as the stars in the sky, and multitude as the sands which is by the seashore, innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For they that say such things, declare plainly that they seek a country and truly if they hadn't been mindful of that country from whence they came out they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that isn't heavenly wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city. Dwayne mentioned last week in his message that there, we have two kingdoms and I believe that is important to remember when we're putting our faith and trusting God, that we are called to not be just citizens in this world. That citizenship is supposed to take second place to our citizenship in heaven. Those that walked before us here, as we see in this chapter, they 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 didn't necessarily just not take advantage um, we, we don't see that Noah left where he was but it was second place to his calling by God to do what he had been called to do to prepare an ark Abraham he left where he lived I believe he probably gave up some um, a lot of ease and some pleasure of being with family and friends and those he knew Turn his back on that to be able to faithfully obey God. God calls us that, to that sometimes ourselves. Even maybe in our own country, our own land, sometimes we're called to take a stand that isn't popular, that isn't um, maybe what those uh, we grew up with don't take the same stand. We're called to be faithful to God and do we look for a city that has foundations and the maker and builder is God are, are we looking for that or are we trying to build that city are we trying to build that mansion down here are we trying to make things easy for ourselves here or are we doesn't mean we can't have a home it doesn't mean we can't have a business but whatever God has given us, it should take second place to our relationship with him. And our trust and our faith should not be in what we have built up, but in what God is building and preparing for us. It's interesting that it mentions Sarah here. We know in the story, in, in Genesis, that she... Struggled in her faith, I believe. It said that she laughed when she was told that she would conceive in her old age. And yet I do believe she had faith in God. Or I don't believe God would have used her in that way. Abraham, it's amazing the story of what Abraham, we'll look at that here in verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac... And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. I don't think we have another example in the scripture this difficult. Or that took this much faith. You think about what all that Abraham had gone through to get to this point. What all he had given up. What all he had suffered. And everything was hinging on Isaac. And then to be called to give that all up? And yet he did. He was faithful in being willing to do that. You can argue and say, well, how could God ever ask Abraham to do that? How could God ever ask us to do that? But yet at times God asked us to move forward in faith just as he did to Abraham. We think about all the people here in this chapter that God asked to do things that seemed crazy, that seemed foolish, that made them look down upon by those around them. Noah built a large ship when there had never been a need for anything like that before. He spent upwards to 120 years to build it, to prepare it. Yet he was faithful to continue doing it no matter what anybody else around him thought. Abraham was willing to leave his home area and go and live in tents And to think about that Abraham went where he was considered an outsider. At times he wasn't trusted. He never would see the promise fulfilled in his lifetime. Not even in his son or his grandson's lifetime. It wouldn't be until the Israelites came back from the land of Canaan that God would fulfill. The God, that the Israelites came back from Egypt, Sorry. That God would fulfill His promise to Abraham, and yet Abraham trusted that God would be faithful. Verse ten here it talks about them looking for a city. Um, Most I think most of us here prefer living in the country rather than the city. I enjoy. I was just talking to my couple of my daughters yesterday that none of us really like, would like to live in a city, and so one of them said they would not even like to visit the city. But some people really enjoy cities, and they can be beautiful. The tall buildings, they're made out of glass and beautiful rock. They're, it can be a beautiful place. But yet there's often dirt and crime and, un- and unlikable things, too, about a city. But I'm thankful that the city that we're looking for makes any city here on earth ugly in comparison. Because there will be none of the negative things. There will be only the beautiful. But God is preparing it. And our, I hope that our faith is in him to do that. And that we're trusting him for that. Continuing on, then, it talks about, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. When we look at Isaac and then Jacob, we don't see, that I don't think, the level of faith that we saw in Abraham. But God gave them the faith that they required to be faithful in their generation to pass the promise on to the next. And we see in verse 21, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. So he was faithful. Even though he struggled and had his things that he failed in, he faithfully passed on the promise that God had given to his grandfather. Joseph was faithful. Even though he would never live uh, the, the remainder of his life, the majority of his years were spent in Egypt and not in the promised land, the Canaan, he still recognized that God was going to be faithful. So his faith in God never wavered in that. And even as God took him through a lot of trials, as he was a slave and then in prison, he was faithful in trusting that God would work it all out. And he did. I don't believe that Joseph had any idea that his brothers would come. But when it happened, I think he was able to recognize God working through that. Moses was faithful. Verse 23. His parents hid him for three months. They were slaves. Who would have thought that God would be able to bring him basically out of the clutches of death. He should have been killed. Other boys his age were being killed, and yet God protected him. And he could have had an easy life living in the palaces in Egypt, but yet he recognized, and he was faithful to God, recognizing that God was calling him to something else. He could have had pleasures of sin, it says, for a season. But he rather he chose to suffer with the people of God. Not everyone has the opportunity, but many of us may have the opportunity to have an easy life living outside of God's will. But yet we can see through Moses' faithful example that we are called to forsake that and to be faithful to whoever God calls us. It even in verse 26 says esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Did he even understand who Christ was but yet he understood God's call in his life. And he was willing to forsake that rather than be unfaithful to God. Verse 27, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, as saying to do, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. When she had received the spies with peace. I hadn't really thought about it before. But in each of those stories within the bigger story. Of God bringing the children of Israel from Egypt back to the promised land. In each of these stories it took faith. It took faith for them to to take part in the first Passover. Here was a group of people who had been slaves for hundreds of years. I don't believe that they worshipped God in the sense that the Jewish people later would, after the Law of Moses was set up. I have a feeling that for many of them, their knowledge of God was very faint, almost lost. Lost. So what gave them the faith to go through the Passover supper? I think, I think it did take a lot of faith. What about cross, or just, just to leave the land of Egypt? They were leaving the homes they had. Yes, they were slaves, but they were leaving the only homes they had. They were leaving sure source of food to go out into the desert. And yet they did it by faith. When they crossed the Red Sea, once again you could say they did it out of fear. But yet they did it. They, took, they had faith that God would keep the water until they got through. And then after the 40 years in the desert and they were ready to go into the land of Israel, into the land of Canaan, they once again... God tested their faith when they walked around Jericho. In each of these cases, they were risking ridicule by their neighbors, by the world. And we do the same when we put our faith in God and are faithful to him. We need to be careful that we're not allowing the world to dictate our response, but to be faithful to God. For those, I don't know if there's anyone this morning who grew up in in a non-Christian home, but I think there's a few. I believe you can find strength through the story of Rahab. She took great risk, not only to her life but to her reputation, to be ostracized and rejected, shunned by her family. And yet, she was willing to do it because of her faith in a God that she was just beginning to recognize who he was. It couldn't have been easy. She was rejecting what her forefathers had believed in, what they had done. She pretty much risked everything, including her life. And yet, she was faithful, she put her faith in God that God would see her through, and he did. And then to close out the chapter, I want to read the last nine verses from verse 32 to verse 40. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of all the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of the weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others... Had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings; yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, and being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. And these, all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having Provided some better thing for us. That they without us should not be made perfect. I had to think when I was studying this that the writer of Hebrews here acknowledges that he can't mention all the faithful believers all through scripture. But as a history buff, I guess I'm hoping that when we get to heaven and we're there for eternity that we'll have time to hear all the stories of the faithful believers. Not to lift up the believers, not to get glory, put glory in them, but in God. Because we know just by little stories here and there that there have been faithful believers from Africa to Europe, from China to Siberia, all around the world. There have been some who have sacrificed their whole life. Some have lost family members while in the mission field. Others have been put to death in their hometowns for their belief in God. This isn't to glory in those stories, but I think through the telling of faithful men and women, it brings glory to God, the one they put their faith in, who was able to give them the final victory. As it mentions verse 37, faithful believers have suffered much for their faith. It says that some were tortured, some were in prison, some were even cut into pieces. It said they faced the lions. There's really nothing that man can imagine that believers have not suffered through the last 2,000 years and even before in the Old Testament. Believers and faithful men and women suffered for Christ. So last Sunday Dwayne preached on our relationship to civil authorities. And someone asked me afterwards, at what point do we need to disobey? And it's not an easy answer. I wish I wish it was. I wish we could put in our faith and practice. You know, this is this is something you can die for, this is something you shouldn't die for. You know, like it's not always easy to know how and when we need to obey and when we need to disobey our civil authorities but it's obvious in reading the scripture here that there are times when we are called to respectfully disobey if they are asking us to do something that violates God's words otherwise they would not have been stoned they wouldn't have been cut to pieces or killed by the sword they probably wouldn't have been destitute, afflicted and tormented so there are times as believers we're called to obey God rather than man. We do need to be careful um this week, I was discussing with someone too about the thing with the um with the Old Testament, and I do believe that was a different dispensation or a different time, and so sometimes some stories we read there. Our response as a believer, or as a Christian today, may not be quite the same as it was then. But yet, as it's mentioned here in Hebrews 11, with all the stories of faithful people, we can still be strengthened by their faithfulness. I don't believe believers are called to be involved with government the way Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. But yet we can learn from their faithfulness. We can be encouraged and challenged that each one of them were willing to die for being faithful and obedient to God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the fire. Daniel faced the lion. We may face other risks, challenges, threats to our lives, but will we be found faithful in being obedient to God? Some people may draw the line in different places, but we must remain faithful to God's word, to his spirit, and it may mean that we will suffer, but I believe that he will give us strength. The Lord bless each one of you.